Knicks are here, baby. The Knicks are here, baby. First out the corner, baby. We're taking it all the way. It was rough, but we have the Knicks. The New York Knicks run New York City. Bing bong. Jason Concepcion, I think it's yeah. fair to say that New York fans are a unique bunch with a very special energy around them, as we just heard in that montage yeah. from a social media page called Side Talk NYC. But those people are your people. And I ask this in a lovingly way. Why are they like this? You know, there's, there's 8 million plus people in New York, and if you want your views heard, you're going to have to yell a little bit. Everybody smashed together on the subway, on the buses. You know, you've got to be quick and able with your verbal combat skills. And this is just the way people are. The people are just loud in New York. And when it comes to the Knicks, does that especially stand out? It does seem like that's a unique experience to New York and that team specifically. Oh, yeah. You just love basketball, you know, like we love trash talking. It's just part of the texture of the city, that kind of constant conversation, that constant back and forth, somebody just screaming wildly while you're on the train. All of that together uh, is amplified and shot through the lens of, of the New York Knicks. And, you know, I, as I've thought about this, I've, I've thought about New York Knicks as a fandom, as a culture. But I think mm -hmm. the most appropriate word I think that I keep coming back to is experience. Is that fair to say? <laughs> the New York Knicks experience? Well, it's a great experience right now. I mean, this is a team that has struggled uh, over the last 20 years up until recently. And they're also a team with intensely deep, deep, deep roots in the culture and the psyche of New York. You have fans that watched the two championships back in the late 60s and early 70s. And that came through the, the 90s and then came through the really fallow years of the last two decades. And all of those traditions get all tied up together. So it's a fan base that's extremely proud, but that has been through stuff. And now that we're back on the stage, back in contention, back with a good team and some competent leadership, Knicks fans are more than happy to tell people about it. It was rough, but we have the Knicks. The New York Knicks run New York City. <laughs> Bing bong. Tell me a little something, KD. Don't you regret not coming to the Knicks? The second half of the NBA season tips off tonight, and one of the teams under the spotlight, the New York Knicks. Yes, the Knicks, long the butt of jokes among NBA fans, are evolving in real time into something different, something competent, perhaps even contenders, and you better believe that Knicks fans know and will tell you about it. So today, writer, host, and Knicks culture translator Jason Concepcion tells us how this New York renaissance is hitting the league's most unique fan base. I'm Harry Lyles Jr. It's Thursday, February 22nd. This is ESPN Daily. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! 
Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, Jason, you're a displaced New Yorker. We could hear the rain in the back somehow, even though you're in Los Angeles. But for folks that might be somehow new here, uh, how would you explain your role in the greater NBA slash cultural ecosystem? And what is it that you do? Oh, my role. Wow. I guess uh, I'm one of that generation of writers and hosts and uh creative people that came up straight from social media, from Twitter, as it was once formerly known. So we were like the, you know, like the Sean Kemp and Kobe going straight from social media (laughs) to getting a job. And I did that primarily by tweeting about basketball games, about the Knicks, about Linsanity, and then went on uh, and created a a YouTube show called NBA Desktop that won an Emmy. Uh, and now I host a basketball podcast with four-time New York Times bestselling author Shea Serrano called Six Trophies. So I, I just, I'm a huge Knicks fan, huge basketball fan, and I love talking about it. And A, I mean, as you just listed off, everything you touch turns to gold. So we're glad yes. to have you here. And the idea was to sort of look at this Knicks team, one of the best stories of the first half of this NBA season, mm-hmm. more through the lens of how the fans in the city have rallied behind them. So how has this season gone and what has been the reaction around New York been like? Mostly really good and, and shockingly so. Obviously, the team needs to get healthy now. There's been a rash of injuries over the last several weeks, including to new players like Goji Ananobi, who was acquired from the from the Raptors. But it's been the emergence of Jalen Brunson as like a superstar, like a like a a MVP level guy that has transformed the fortunes of the Knicks in in a major way. Seven to shoot. Brunson, pull up jump shot, puts it in, tie game! Jalen Brunson does it again! And then the fact that there's so much, like, homegrown, long-time ties with the Knicks, various personnel around the Knicks right now, just gives it a different feel. You know, Jalen's dad played for the team in the 90s. He was a bench guy, Rick Brunson. He's on the uh, coaching staff. So Jalen grew up around the team. Uh, you know, people I'm sure have seen the uh, the videos that have gone viral recently of like his dad training him. Tired is for the weak. Mentally strong. Go. Harder. Good. Jog back. Go. Go get the ball. I'm going to throw it to the fence if you don't jog back. And then of Jalen, just like a Knicks gear around the garden. And then Tom Thibodeau, of course, assistant coach under Jeff Van Gundy during those really crazy 90s years it's just a team that you can really embrace right now and of course all of that comes back to the fact that they're winning as well they're playing really well and they're playing well in a way that feels like not a fluke like some of their playoff appearance seasons of the last say 10 years you felt like oh can they really do this again a lot of the guys on those teams were older this is a team with a purpose behind it that was assembled strategically 
all the pieces fit. Everybody is basically in the same age window and it just feels good. And they're winning. Yeah, they are. And, and you know, you mentioned Jalen Brunson. And, and one thing that I am curious about with him, you mentioned some of his backstory. But do you feel like this fan base in particular perhaps has embraced him a little bit more tightly just because it does seem both before he got to the Knicks and then even arriving in New York that he is somewhat of an underdog. I mean, like we have heard people talk about, hey, like you can't be the cornerstone of a franchise if you are a smaller player. And yet he has shown throughout the season, you know, that this team is one that's going to compete. Like, do you feel like that sort of window that people are sort of able to view him through allows this franchise in particular and its fans to embrace him more than anybody else would? You know, it's an interesting question because I think that there are, the Knicks have always had this, for as long as I've been a fan, there's been an underdog mentality, which is interesting, right? Greatest city in the world, 8 million people, the economic and, and cultural hub of our country. And at the same time, like, it's always like we were scrapping against the Bulls, who were the kings of the league, and we were just trying to get by them, never managed to do it. And it's kind of the same thing with Jalen, I, I do think that's part of the appeal, but I also think, you know, we've never, uh, we've, we've also never really had like the dominant star top dog type guy to rally around. So we're always rallying around these kind of like gritty, scrappy, patching it together with, with dedication and heart and defense kind of players but I agree with you. Some of that appeal uh, of Jalen's appeal to the fan base is the fact that he's just such a hard-nosed guy that people bet against. And before we get back to some of the structure of this, let's go back to the opening montage here. We heard Bing Bong. Bing Bong! Uh, you know, we, we heard Valid. <laughs> and this is part of the language that was introduced to the greater world by Side Talk NYC. It's a social media account that posts man-on-the-street-style content geared at sharing New York City's unique culture with the rest of us. And if you didn't grow up with this lingo, it feels like you might need a dictionary to keep up at times. Could you decipher some of that for us, Jason? Bing bong is a reference to uh, the sound that the, uh, the subway makes when the doors open. You know, you, you'll hear bing bong. You'll hear this automated voice say, you know, Stand clear of the closing doors, please. That's become side talk in NYC's kind of uh, sign off and sign on, <laughs> you know, various side talk NYC figures. I say this as a fan of their content had uh, screamed bing bong way before it became a thing that was associated with the Knicks through the, the clip you played. If you see these dogs in your front yard, huh, just know upstairs I'm going hard. Bing bong. But then it really took on another kind of uh, feel once the video that you that you dropped at the top of this episode <laughs> played. Then it really became associated with the Knicks and Knicks fandom and all that stuff. Okay, so speaking of shared culture and Knicks fandom, one thing that Knicks fans have shared throughout the last few decades has been disdain for James Dolan, the team's owner. He's been the one constant throughout this Knicks experience, and he's hired a variety of basketball minds to try and find a long-term solution. Phil Jackson, Steve Mills, Isaiah Thomas, and now we arrive at Leon Rose. So, Jason, who is Leon Rose, and is he the one that's finally fixing this for real? Oh, I think clearly that's been the case. You know, I think I, 
I, and I'm sure many other fans, took a wait-and-see approach. You've seen so many different figures, as you just noted, come in, try and change the culture of this team. But Leon has done some things that I think are really smart and stuff that I doubted early on. Knicks fans often talk about the connection that CAA, Creative Artists Agency, which is one of the hugest uh, talent agencies uh, in the world, has over the Knicks. And Leon used to be an agent there. His son is still an agent there, is Jalen Brunson's agent. Uh, But I think all of that stuff created the culture that the Knicks needed. One of the things that was really missing in these past years was a culture. It kind of felt like a mercenary outfit with with lots of competing uh, ambitions and incentives. But Leon came in, right, and, and he brought Tom Thibodeau, who... He used to be Tom Thibodeau's agent. And then they brought in Jalen Brunson. They brought in Josh Hard, who went to Villanova with uh, Jalen Brunson. They brought in Dante DiVincenzo, who played on that Villanova team. And the accrued effect of that is you have all these people in this team, in this organization, who don't want to let the their other fellows down because they know them, because there's a relationship there that extends back beyond the Knicks and before the Knicks. And I think that's been tremendously important. And then Leon has showed that he could be he could be ruthless, too. He's done a lot of smart stuff, the way he's acquired assets and structured contracts to move. You have to say that he's uh, he's really running the team with a, a competence that is wonderful to behold. And, you know, what role has he played in settling the beef between the Knicks and oh, perhaps man. the most important agency group in the NBA in, in clutch? Well, that's huge, right? Because that that kind of frosty relationship existed for a number of years. And what that shows you is that the Knicks have arrived. There's no better way to prove yourself than to be successful. And the Knicks' success this season and, and over the course of Leon's tenure, I think, has caused Clutch to say, you know, that Clutch represents a number of notable players in the league. I would imagine that their clients, Clutch's clients, would say, well, wait, why why aren't the Knicks an option? To to an extent, it it behooved everyone to squash that beef because the Knicks are successful. It's a huge market. uh, And Clutch might want to put their clients there. So I think it's a wonderful marker of the overall health and success of the franchise right now. They, They can't afford to be ignored. Now that we've got the front office flavor of Leon Rose, the strongest feelings towards him and his job uh, obviously comes from those Knicks fans that we heard at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. New York is real for once, baby! Let's go! New York, baby! baby Let's go, baby! Do they have faith in Leon Rose? One. And if it all crashes and burns like it has in the past, where does that put us in what I would call the order of operations in the Knicks experience. And when I say order of operations, I'm thinking PEMDAS, like we learned right. in math class as kids. I don't know if they learn it like that nowadays, but but where does that put us in the order of operations in the Knicks experience? Well, God forbid if it all does crash and burn, the question is how. How does it crash and burn? Does it crash and burn because of bad front office moves, poor contracts? It's a thing that's bedeviled the team in the past, handcuffing the squad to... to guys that can't play or won't play or are not performing. If it's that kind of crash and burn, yeah, I think I think Leon's tenure would rightly come under question if it's 
Health, which is going to be an issue, clearly going forward, the guys are playing a ton of minutes. We're playing a ton of minutes before uh, this rash of injuries. Tom Thibodeau, the coach, is kind of infamous for playing his guys <laughs> a lot of minutes with a short rotation. So can they stay healthy? I think if health is the way they crash and burn, that's going to be a different kind of conversation. But one of the great things about the team right now is I think with the fact that they're in contention and they're playing meaningful games down the stretch and they're going to be in the playoffs and perhaps have home court for a lot of it, that's just going to reveal how good the Knicks are and who's performing at that level. And so it's all about how the crash occurs. You know, we saw it, we saw in the NBA this year, a coach get fired with like a 30 and 14 record. So it's about how. It is. And it will somehow, if it does happen, be unique to the New York Knicks because it always is. <laughs> Tom Thibodeau, we're four seasons into his tenure now. You just briefly mentioned his style of having an aggressively short rotation. Obviously, some players come to mind specifically with that. Mm -hmm. Is there something about his style specifically that resonates with New Yorkers and this city? Yeah, I, I, it's just play hard. You know, play really, really hard. Be physical. Don't give up anything easy. Work hard on second chance points, offensive rebound. All that stuff is stuff that resonates with, with every market, but really resonates with New Yorkers. Because, again, you know, uh, we're, we're busy people. We're rushing from here to there. Just getting uh, from your apartment to wherever you work sometimes could be a struggle. And so when you sit down and you want to watch a Knicks game, you, you, you feel like you want to watch people who are scrapping at that same level that you're scrapping just to get to work. And so this team is, is doing that. I think Josh Hart is a great example of that, of a guy that just works you know, and this team is is built around defending the paint, rim protection, and then just crushing the offensive boards. And I think that kind of ethos really speaks to Knicks fans and is definitely something that feels like it comes directly from the id of Tom Thibodeau. Jason, I will say this. One of the things I think that has, has made you so successful over the years and what makes your analysis and commentary so enjoyable is that you do not pull punches, man. You're honest. <laughs> and, you know, we obviously need more of that within our sports commentary. You're good at taking the fan hat on and off. I'm asking you to put it on right now. Okay. Okay. Are the Knicks ready for the bright lights now? Are they two years away or are they two years away from being two years away? Like, where are we at in all of this? Oh, wow. Well, okay, let's see. They're full all the way healthy, and we haven't really seen it except for the four games after OG got here. Of course, there's some new additions with Burks and Bogey Bogdanovich from the absolutely horrendous Detroit Pistons team. I think that they are a, a year away, a couple years away, and that a lot of that depends on how good is Julius Randle. The, really, the, the, the big question mark is Julius Randle in the playoffs. Can he be the other star alongside Brunson to carry some of that scoring weight? And if he is not, and we're going to find that out this spring, to, you know, assuming he's healthy and assuming the whole squad's healthy, then that will define Leon Rose's next mission. But I'm going to say they're like a year away. So I guess that would put us at A if we were using PEMDAS. Yes. Fair to say? Yes, arithmetic. <laughs> Coming up, 
how Knicks fans successfully boxed out the upstart Brooklyn Nets. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to, say, 100 bucks and below. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot. Taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. So, Jason, one of the storylines that probably only matters to basketball fans in the tri-state area is the beef or lack thereof between Knicks and Nets fans. We saw the Nets try to make big moves and take over the city. It failed. Do you think it is as simple as they didn't win a ring or was there something else at play here? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just going to take time for the Nets. That's just the, the plain and simple answer. They've only been in Brooklyn for a short while, spent the, the majority of their history in New Jersey, where I think the, you know, the real deep roots and the real fan base still is uh, largely. When they first moved out, I'd see Nets games because they were cheap and it was very easy to, to, to get tickets over there. And I was living right over there. I think that uh, it's just going to take time to make inroads in the city. You know, the Knicks, again, have They've been there since the 40s. You know what I mean? They've been there since the Eisenhower administration. So it's just those roots go so deep. And if the Brooklyn Nets really want to make a real play for the city, it's going to take winning and it's going to take just time. There's no shortcut to it. It's going to take time and years and building that fan base out because the Knicks have a four and a half decade head start in the area. Is there anything to the idea that the Nets are the team basically for the transplants while the Knicks are New York's basketball team? And is there any sort of ownership feelings towards people that are native to New York and see somebody that is moving in and being like, hey, hold on a second. Like, you, you got to go get reps over with the Nets before you come <laughs> over here. You know, what's funny. And I say this. 
I, I, I don't want this to be taken any kind of weird way. In my experience, I don't want to speak for millions of Knicks fans, but like in the circles I ran in, did Knicks fans love to beat the Nets? Yes. Were they upset when the Nets would beat us? Yes. Do they think about the Nets on a on a daily or weekly basis? No. Nobody th- Knicks fans do not really think about the Nets even when they were good. There's not a tremendous amount of thought about the Nets from Knicks fans. And again, I'm not saying that in any, in any kind of like dismissive way. It's just not Not a thing that people thought about. And I do think you're right. They are kind of the team for transplants because it's very easy to jump on, much like here in L.A., uh, the Clippers are. The Clippers have a a real fan base. It is like all the uh, comedy writers that have moved here from different parts (laughs) of the country. And it's a kind of a similar uh, dynamic for the Nets. You know, they're kind of like deep fan base that came over from New Jersey aside. And, you know, on paper, it felt like a sure thing that the Nets were going to pick up some kind of steam, right, with Durant, Harden, Kyrie Irving. But even as that was going on before that fell off the face of the earth, uh, no pun intended, Nick's dominance continued to dominate the city's basketball scene. And we've touched on some of this, but why is the Knicks such a diehard fan base in a way that you develop a big three that looks like it has all the promise in the world and it doesn't even matter? It's just the foot soldiers, man. Like a lot of the culture of the texture of sports conversation in the New York metro area is talk radio, right? And the tabloids. Let me tell you what the biggest story is. The biggest story is that, and this is unbelievable that I can say this and mean it. The New York Knicks are the gold standard and the absolutely best run franchise in this city. Period. If you're looking to sell papers, do you want, you know, six and a half million Knicks fans as your audience? Or do you want, I don't know what the what the Nets audience is. Let's call it like a million and a half. And you're going to go with the bigger number. So it's just like a bigger number. And that's, you know, the, the bigger number, more voices, louder, deeper roots, a longer tradition. And all of that adds up to... It's just going to be really hard and has been really hard for the Nets to make inroads. You, I mean, you saw the last Knicks-Nets game over in Brooklyn. It was basically a Knicks home game. Like, every time the Knicks scored, a huge cheers, booze for the Nets. And by the way, that was probably the loudest their arena has been all, all year. Right. Yeah, we heard as much from the Nets-Mikhail Bridges after that game. You're reasonably new to this rivalry, but I mean, when you hear a crowd like that, it's your building. And you have to hear, let's go Knicks and all of that. Uh, just how would you describe that? Is that frustrating? Is it galling? I, I don't want to put words. How would you describe that? I mean, I feel like any person in here is not fun. And you feel like you're at a away game at home. So that's for probably any person sitting in here, any person alive. So, so that's just going to be what it is for a while. Even if the Nets are good, they're going to have to put on a, a run of a consistent excellence, you know, for for a real long time to kind of juice that uh, fan progression. It's just going to take a while. I would argue there's probably not a worse franchise if you are the Nets to be uh, near you if you no. are trying to establish <laughs> any sort of fandom at all. And I, and no. I say that knowing that people do not show up to like Los Angeles Chargers games, you know. 
And one of the most popular recent examples of Knicks fans going in on a rival pro player was with Trey Young a couple of years ago when the Knicks <laughs> played the Hawks in the second round of the playoffs, which obviously you know as myself being from Atlanta, I am very close to. As Young fires from away, downtown and takes about. <laughs> Not appreciated. It should be added. Here's Trey Young and his finest right here. A step back 30-footer. In the appropriate, you are in the garden. You might as well take a bow. <laughs> for starters, is it safe for Trey to come back to New York now? Of course it's safe for Trey to come back to New York. A lot of this stuff people need to understand is like tongue-in-cheek. Yo, you thought Trey Young was still good? He still ain't good at Dyke, man. F- Trey Young! F- Trey Young! F- Trey Young! F- Trey Young! Knicks fans... They were chanting MVP for Julius Randle. They've been chanting MVP for Josh Hart in the past. They'll chant MVP for any of their players that they like. Does that mean that they want Julius Randle? Do they think he should win MVP? No, it's like a joke. And the Trey Young stuff is, you know, part sincere because they did beat us in the playoffs. And that was painful. And on the other hand, it's kind of a joke, too. It's a way of, like, puffing your chest out and saying... Okay, like there's superstars around the Eastern Conference, but those guys. Yeah, it's safe for Trey to come back to New York. You know, there's been villains, much, much bigger villains that walk the streets of New York safely. Uh, Reggie Miller, Michael Jordan, et cetera. They all, it's safe for them to come to New York. It's safe for Trey Young. Of course it's safe. Now, does Side Talk NYC make a big comeback alongside this resurgent Knicks team? Man, they've been quiet for a while. You know, it's like uh, a couple weeks ago, just because I was on the, I was on a high of like uh, OG Ananobi had come, and then all of a sudden the Knicks uh, were playing the best defense in the league, and I was just like, man, this is great. I'm gonna watch the old side talk videos. I noticed they haven't put out that much. You know, I don't know anything, but my tin tinfoil hat theory about side talk not putting out stuff is all those guys either got a job or jobs or are uh, cooking up something for some platform somewhere. But I would love it if they would come back for the postseason because, man, that the energy behind those videos was just, yeah, man, it's just incredible. The way the guy, the one of the first guys goes, New York is back. Knicks are here, baby. The Knicks are here, baby. Fresh out the corner, baby. The way his voice cracks, <laughs> that is in my dreams. I hear that in my dreams. And that right there is the New York Knicks fan experience. Jason, thank you for your expertise and knowledge. Thanks for having me. I'm Harry Lyles Jr. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow.